Good evening, and welcome to Transforming Lives, the radio ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. I invite you to stay tuned for the next hour for a live discussion providing biblical answers to life's questions. Here now is your host for tonight's edition of Transforming Lives. Welcome to Transforming Lives. This is Joe Propri. I'm your host this evening. I'm the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, which sponsors this program. We're hoping that you're listening tonight uh, as a as a, a listener that's heard us before. But if you're the first time with us tonight, we really welcome you. We want to encourage you to hang in there with us. We're talking about tonight hope and how the Bible provides for us reasons for hoping in all different kinds of circumstances. Our program is focused on the Word of God and its sufficiency for all the problems of life. Biblical counseling is uh, somewhat new in the sense that uh, for many, many years, the church has kind of borrowed from the world some of its secular thinking, and uh, and thus I believe, and many of us uh, in this movement have believed that we've been led astray by some of the, the doctrines of this world. And so the biblical counseling movement, which we're part of, seeks to restore to the church the the full and rich scriptures that give us all that we need for life and godliness. With me tonight uh, is uh, Pastor Glenn Dunn and uh, Pastor Gus Supan, and they are uh, both good friends and biblical counselors are going to be helping us, as they have in past weeks, uh, discussing these kinds of issues. Welcome, guys, again to the program. Nice to be here. And I I wanted to start out tonight with us... um, talking about a little program, uh, not a program, but a problem that I had personally quite a few years ago physically. <clears throat> I was uh, awakened one night in the middle of the night by severe stabbing pains in my back. And I remember getting out of bed and walking down into the living room of my home. <clears throat> and I was uh, in such desperate pain. I, I I, I vividly remember wanting this to be over fast. I started praying in ways that I had never prayed before, mm. prayed in all the ways, of course, that I knew to pray, begged God for a miracle. Uh, I rebuked the devil. I did everything I could think of, and the pain remained. Finally, somehow, uh, God in his providence woke my wife up. She recognized that I was not in bed. She came looking for me and found me bent over grasping my back, uh, barely moving, just in agony. And she said, what's wrong? And I explained all that to her. She said, do you want to go to the hospital? Now, I don't know why a wife has to ask a husband a question like that, but somehow we need somebody to help us see the obvious. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, it might go away. So we waited we waited a little bit and never went away. So she drove me to uh, the emergency room. Now, when I got to the emergency room, I want you to know uh, – my my first thoughts were, even on the way, that if, if something cannot be done, I would really rather die. I mean, that's how painful it was to me. And I was thinking spiritually, you know, I'm ready to go to heaven. I know the Lord. I, 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 I would like to hang around, but not in this condition. So I'm ready to die if they can't find out what's wrong and take care of me quickly. <clears throat> I had a little bit of hope that if I was going to the emergency room, Maybe someone there could figure out what's wrong. Now, I had already had a gallstone attack some years before, and I know how severe that pain was, and they ended up removing my gallbladder. This pain was similar, if not worse, 
And uh, I knew that it couldn't have had a gallbladder problem again because I didn't have one. So I didn't know what to do. And I placed myself in the hands of the doctor as well as the Lord. And then what happened was, um, as they examined me and asked me about the symptoms and where it hurt and this and that, they began to get very concerned because, as the one doctor in the emergency room said, it could be kidney stones, it could be some other things, but the way you're describing the pain and the location, we're deeply concerned that you may have an aorta that's bursting. And uh, so they ran me through all kinds of extra tests. Well, the bottom line, thank the Lord, was it turned out to be kidney stones. And uh, when when the doctors said it's kidney stones, I relaxed because, you know, I knew what it was now. They had accurately diagnosed my physical problem. And even though I still had pain, which, of course, they were medicating me for pain, uh, then I began to have greater hope that something could be done about this problem. Why? Because kidney stones is nothing new. Kidney stones have been around for a long time, and gallbladders have, and other sorts of problems. And when you find out that what you have is something that's common to man, then uh, man has usually dealt with it in some sort of way, and the medical profession is great. We thank God for the medical profession and the the, the gifts that God gives to those scientists who get to know the body well and know how to treat the body. And of course, I was in great, great care. And it wasn't long after that, that my problem was completely solved. I was back home. And gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm thinking about how that parallels what we do when we're helping people who have problems that are not physical, problems that are emotional, spiritual, intellectual, whatever it might be. Uh, when people don't know really what's wrong with them, it can be quite confusing and it can be quite uh, fearful for them to not not know where what it is and what's what can be done about it. Uh, people like that need hope, and that's what we're talking about. As we began last week, people needing hope for all different kinds of circumstances. And so, how valuable do you fellows believe knowing what the problem actually is? Is how that relates to hope. What what can you say about the importance? of the diagnosis and how that has something to do with hope. Does my story relate? In being able to discern whether it, whether it is something that is uh, serious or trivial, or is that where you're going, Joe? Well, whether it's serious or trivial, let's, let's say it could be very, very serious. What if my diagnosis was I had some kind of a terminal cancer that uh, metastasizes and just spreads quickly? Um, I would... I would at least be relieved in knowing what I'm facing. And uh, how much hope would I have? It depends on what I'd be placing my hope in, which is something we mentioned last week. But um, with spiritual problems, um, I don't know if we can say uh, that someone has a terminal spiritual problem uh, where there's no hope whatsoever if we believe the gospel. Well, I think in not only believing in the gospel— but in understanding, as we said last week, last week, what hope is, basically the belief in God's promises. And if we, as yourself, have this word hid in our heart, whenever these circumstances surface, we have a great confidence and assurance that 
and, and hope no matter what happens, mm-hmm. no matter whether the conditions are, as you say, whether I'm, you know, I'm ready to die or I'm, I'm ready to live. Most people need more hope to live than they need to die mm-hmm. to, 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 to get through it. And so uh, I, I think that that's the, that's the key, that there is inside of us, uh, in our inner being, those of us who know Christ, those of us who uh, cherish his word, those of us who memorize it and meditate upon it and keep it in our heart, it's that reservoir that's there whenever these circumstances come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether they're spiritual, uh, emotional, or physical. Or even we, physical. Have that re- we have that reservoir there, mm-hmm. and we can apply it. We can, we can, say, we can go to God's word, uh, either from that which is already in us or just hide away with the Bible and say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time with God. And it's, it's, it's bathed me many, many times mm-hmm. in many stressful uh, emotional situations. Glenn, um, can I ask you a question? What, what do we struggle against? What do people struggle against when they present to someone a listening ear a problem and they describe it? And then, and I'm talk, not talking about physical problems. I mean, God knows what a horrible situation if you have a physical problem that's misdiagnosed and mistreated. But a person who's struggling with emotional or spiritual issues or relational issues with other people, uh, and they're talking about their problem with someone, and that other person misdiagnoses it, what kind of damage can happen with something like that? Well, I wouldn't say it would be irreparable damage, but you're you're further eroding a person's hope. I think we talked about it last week to the extent that... Um, that's another issue of broken trust. It's another issue of uh, sometimes a person feeling a broken relationship. And certainly we know that that is the case for many people who are listening, many people who have been hurt by someone that claimed to love them, people who um, have been given, you know, advice may be sincere, but it can be wrong advice. Mm-hmm. It can be wrong counsel. And this is why, um, you know, who of us at, around this table would have the gall to to say that we're going to counsel somebody apart from the scriptures, apart exactly. from that thing that 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 source that uh, uh, God says Himself uh, uh, through uh, through His writer in Hebrews chapter four that the Word of God is living and active; it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I mean, this is this is where we come to say that we have some sort of uh, basis for which to give counsel, and that is uh, the Word of God. And now, can the Word of God be mis, uh, you know, misapplied and abused and so forth? Certainly. certainly it can. And this is why we have to be sure that, uh, as Paul tells Timothy, we're studying to show ourselves approved, a workman who handles the Word of God correctly and, and in the right way. And so when a person comes and uh, they talk to somebody over coffee or they talk to somebody at the church or, you know, s- s- sorry to say, they talk to a pastor or someone who guides them, uh, in the wrong direction, even using the scriptures, that only adds to a further sense of their hopelessness. Mm-hmm. But what a what a privilege tonight, even as we prayed uh, before we went on the air, for us to be able to say that uh, we have the Word of God, and the Word of God, properly applied, gives to us hope. And one of the greatest things that we can do for a person who has been uh, struggling like that is to say, let's call your problem what the Bible calls it. And then when we address it the way that the Bible addresses it, all of a sudden we've opened up a whole avenue of hope. That's, I think, what you're referencing in the matters of being in the hospital. You're laying there, you're concerned because the 
specialists, the physicians, aren't sure what's the matter with you. And so then you're not sure how you're going to be treated. But once they begin to find out what the symptoms are and where those lead to, um, then at least there's some hope for, for some kinds of uh, treatment. And it's the same in the, in the counseling setting. Uh, once we begin to see that, you know, there may be a common denominator in the fact that you're having uh, trouble in all of your relationships, uh, and the common denominator may be you. And, right. you know, so those kinds of things that uh, we can able, we're able to assess and to look at um, through the guidance of the Word of God and also the, the dependence that we have upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit to use His Word uh, in the right way in, the, in, the, in those that we counsel. Mm, Gus? We can't emphasize enough uh, that this hope is not a Band-Aid. It's not something that we're going to take two scriptures and go to bed and everything's going to be morning, fine yeah. in the morning. This is a hope that is, is understood, that uh, if, if someone out there does not understand the hope scriptures, then they need to come alongside someone who will teach them what this hope is. So they're not laying in that bed like you were and saying, well, maybe, maybe not. Having a doubtful, a double, a double mind. They need not to be doubtful. They need to have the assurance. And this is not uh, indicating a name it and claim it hope either. Mm-hmm. You know, First, first Peter 1, uh, 3 through 4 states, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, and here's the key, I think, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is what Gus is referencing. This, what we're speaking of isn't uh, some kind of uh, temporary approach. We're talking about a living hope, that even if you had received a, a terrible diagnosis, as devastating as that may have been uh, personally to you and so forth, as a believer, as a Christian, mm-hmm. The, in the providence of God, you would have been brought to that point where you could recognize, even through the midst of such a devastating diagnosis, that you still had a living hope. That, hope, yes, yeah, and that, a purpose. Yeah, that you're that mm-hmm. you know. And I guess we could talk about hope in two uh, phases. We could talk about a hope that's sort of got a temporary nature in mind, you know, the relief of physical pain and so forth. But then ultimately, we have to talk about hope. Uh, in terms of an eternal perspective. Exactly. Let, let, let us emphasize that this hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. This is yeah. in who, the object of our hope, yeah. not in the written, uh, you know, some people say we worship the Bible, not in the, the print on a page or the piece of paper, that, but it's in the hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, but, why, that's why our hope is sure and certain. Right. Right? That's why it's a living hope. Psalm 146.5 says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his right. God. Right. That's right. Well, that's why I want to direct us to Psalm 1 also before we go to our first break. Psalm 1 uh, came to mind, as you mentioned, Glenn, uh, your comments earlier, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, mm. nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. It goes on to talk about the benefit of that. And uh, today... Uh, all of you men know, and, and our, many of our listeners, I'm sure, know also that there's tremendous amount of counsel available to people uh, from all different kinds of sources in the world. 
as well as in the church. And and what we want to do is encourage people to trust the counsel of God, mm-hmm. because the counsel of God is always accurate, mm-hmm. even though some may mishandle it, as you said, Glenn, earlier. Mm-hmm. The, the counsel of God is 100% true and accurate, and God has the perspective of all things. We're going to talk about that when we come back from this break. I want to remind you that are listening that uh, we have we will have the phones open uh, for you to call us. We are live, and you can talk to us. Call us at 1-888-677-9673, and we'll be glad to take your call. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. We're back live with you here on 1220 AM radio, simulcast on 1440 AM, and we're grateful for all of you that are listening. We are live on the air, and we welcome your calls. If you're around the area of Independence, Ohio, you can call locally 216-901-0933, or you can call us from anywhere in the country, and we understand that we have listeners all over the country and into Canada. Uh, the number is 888-677-9673. We'll be repeating that throughout the program, so if you missed it, uh, have a pencil ready, piece of paper, and we'll be saying it again later. But guys, we're talking about this issue of hope, this matter of hope, and how hope, genuine hope, real hope, that motivates people to hang in there comes from God. He's the God of all hope. And he's he is the one in whom we trust. And we're talking about hope based uh, on uh, one of the ways people can have hope is when they recognize that their problems are being accurately diagnosed, accurately understood so that the appropriate treatment can be given. That's the medical metaphor I began the program with. 
And we want to apply that spiritually now. Let's say, for example, um, that that a person comes and says, you know, I'm I have a problem with drinking and uh, I need some help. I, I I drink a lot. I drink when I get up. I drink. I even bring a flask with me to work and, and slip some in in lunch breaks and whatnot. And and, uh, and then I drink when I get home and I'm drinking throughout the evening and my family is quite concerned. I haven't I haven't really done anything strange yet, but my family thinks that I have a serious problem. They say that I, I'm an alcoholic and and uh, I should get some kind of treatment or go to some program or something before I do something like kill somebody when I'm driving or whatnot. And that's one of those problems that people have that go to places today and they get various different kinds of diagnosis. In fact, even in the world, there's a, there's a difference of an opinion among secular-minded people on what to call that and what's really going on behind that. Um, we all know in this room that the most common conclusion uh, of the worldly point of view is that uh, this is called alcoholism. And the ism indicates that it's a condition and and it's believed to be a disease. But a lot of people don't know that there are plenty of secular people who disagree with that in the profession, the medical profession. I've read articles by them myself that uh, say it is not a disease. There is no, there is no uh, predetermined gene discovered yet. There is hope, of course, that there might be some genetic cause or whatever, but there has been none found whatsoever. The average person, um, of course, doesn't know that kind of information, nor do they readily believe that. Now, what do we say? What do you folks, you guys say when someone says, I struggle with the, with the bottle, man, I, I'm addicted to it. Uh, isn't an addiction, a disease problem. And, and my addiction is alcohol. And yes, I, I readily admit I, I've got a serious problem. Um, how, what does that have to do with hope? What does that have to do with labeling and diagnosis? How would you respond to a fellow like that? This is the crux of the the issue for us as biblical counselors, isn't it? Yes. It's, we're talking about two completely different paradigms when we uh, approach somebody with this kind of uh, situation. And either we're going to buy into the medical model, and if, and if we buy into the medical model, then we're going to say uh, we are depending upon the world and the counsel of the world and so forth to help you with this particular issue. Um, what's the matter with calling it a disease? The, the problem is the Bible doesn't call it a disease. Mm-hmm. The Bible calls it uh, sin. And so there again, now, we're back to the place of giving hope. It might be difficult for someone to hear that your problem really isn't uh, disease-natured. It is sin-natured. But Glenn, it, Glenn, are you saying somebody that's listening right now that struggles and abuses alcohol, are you saying that biblical counselors just come around and say, look, you're a sinner. You don't have a disease. You're a sinner. That sounds pretty harsh. I can't speak for all biblical counselors, but I think I, I could to say, um, what's the best thing? If a, if a person comes in, back to the physical metaphor, the medical mm-hmm. metaphor, um, if a person comes in um, with a broken bone and uh, we say, well, we know what the problem is, but it might hurt your feelings if we if we tell you what the problem is. So we're not going to tell you that we're just going to give you a lot of pain medication to cover the, you know, the pain and, and maybe... Um, let you walk out and nothing's been set. Even though it might be painful to have that broken bone reset, that's the thing that you need in order to be uh, made a whole again. And the same situation occurs in the matter of the spiritual realm. This is, again, 
this is where we take it to say either we're going to call it what the Bible calls it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not me that calls it a, a sin. Mm-hmm. It's the Word of God that calls it a sin. You know, you think of the Proverbs who who has woe, who has redness of the eyes, who has bruises, who all cuts and so forth, and they don't remember why. He who tarries long at the wine, um, and uh, what the scriptures say, for example, in First Corinthians and Galatians, um, about the uh, drunkards, those who are um, habitually uh, dominated by this particular sin. And look, the hope of the scriptures to say this, if we call it what the Bible calls it, if you call it sin, mm-hmm. then, then you have an answer. Why then is that? And then you have hope. Why then, is that's that right. Hope? Why and, is that hopeful? And then you have a solution, because all of a sudden— you're not depending upon the counsel of the world for a problem that the Bible says is a sin to, to handle something in a disease fashion. You're depending upon the one who says, uh, who's given us his word and says, this is, this is the issue. So it's, it gives hope because 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, as we talked about last week, there is therefore no temptation seized you. That sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Seized you. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but with every temptation will provide a way of escape. Why? So that you may stand up under it. All of a sudden, as Gus has just said, we've given that man or that woman who struggles in being dominated by that particular uh, sin, hope. And the hope comes back again to this. I would talk to a person like that and say, let's talk about why you're drinking. Let's talk about your personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the significance of Romans chapter 6 and verse 14, which tells us that you are not going to be mastered by sin any longer if you belong to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And then again, it drives us back to the fact that we have a living hope because Jesus is alive. So this is the complete difference between the medical model and the spiritual model that we would use when someone comes into the counseling center. The medical model is so powerfully advertised, so powerfully promoted, uh, that uh, you, you talk about this not being a disease. And, and uh, as you indicated earlier, you've you got a battle on your hands. It's interesting to note, I'm just reading the Confessions of St. Augustine, uh, and I learned that his mother had a drinking problem, problem Monica, mm. And uh, she went from putting her finger in the cask as she was uh, delivering it to her father, and this was a thing that most children did, to a couple of drops, and then it got progressively worse. And Augustine, and this was just about uh, a year or so after he uh, came to Christ, labeled it a disease in, in his confessions. He speaks to it a couple, a couple of times. But then later on, he talks about this having a stronghold, mm-hmm. and that's what the Bible Mm-hmm. calls mm-hmm. this guy. We, we, we talk in terms of addiction. And the Bible never addresses the word, but it does uh, talk about uh, uh, strongholds, and it gives us direction and hope mm-hmm. for overcoming mm-hmm. a stronghold. Mm-hmm. That's one of the tricks, I think. I don't think it's intentional, but the, the worldly counsel, which does not depend upon Scripture, and in fact, some of it is, is quite uh, ridiculing and of the scriptures, finding no place for God whatsoever in this world. But uh, what some of them have tended to do is take that medical model labeling and apply it to issues that are not organic Mm -hmm. because of the similarities. Now, let's be honest, uh, true addictions by definition in the old days, at least, uh, was something going on in the body which craved uh, uh, like uh, certain 
certain drugs are addictive in themselves. If you're if you've got a morphine problem, a heroin problem or something, something's happening in your body and it's craving, lusting after has a stronghold. You have to your, your body itself is crying out for more of that. Now, that's the similarity with that is with the spiritual issues is that when we have cravings and lusts and, and deep desires in our hearts, not our physical heart, but the, the spirit of a man, the soul of a man, then uh, it acts in a similar way. You want more of that. And it almost seems addictive, although the difference is you have some say over. You have some control over. You have a choice over what you will do, whereas your body is just a, a material thing and it's crying out out of the chemicals in the body. The spirit doesn't have chemicals. The spirit has a will that stands before God and is answerable to God. And God says, I give my people the power to resist the temptation to crave. I can I can give you the ability to overcome any kind of sin. So at its root, what we're saying is that's the same issue for a man who struggles with homosexuality, a woman who struggles with alcoholism, uh, the, 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 the salesman who travels on the road and he struggles with uh, pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things at their root are the same issue, and that is a spiritual issue. And if we face it spiritually, we're giving that person hope. hope. You know, I just want to go back to one thing, and and I'm, I would assume you guys have heard this towards your own ministries. I know I've heard it towards uh, my ministry, and that is something that you said, Joe. You're not being very kind in saying that, or you know, that doesn't seem very loving, or mm-hmm. that seems fairly harsh. And uh, just the, a proverb that comes to mind is Proverbs uh, twenty-seven, five and six: Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Mm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And, um, you know, we have this great opportunity to be what we would call newthetic with people who are um, struggling with these kinds of sin issues. And I think the best example of that is Jesus' own interaction with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He called it what it was. He, well, and he made her address it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's talking to her about living water, and then it seems as if, you know, out of left field almost, um, she says, well, let me think about this living water. Why don't you give me a cup of this? And so, I mean, she's not really grasping what it is that he's talking about. And it seems that Jesus just takes this thing and turns it in a way that is unexpected, and he turns to her and says, go get your husband. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I have no husband. That's and right. she, Jesus takes her to the very thing that she doesn't want to talk about. She's out there at noon beca- to get the water because she's a woman of uh, ill repute and so forth. But I think that's the best example he, of, a, of a rebuke. He didn't, out of love for her, he did that's not exactly. mind making her uncomfortable exactly so right. that he could set her free. Yep. We're going to pick up that idea because you mentioned you added uh, homosexuality, and that's a, that's a smoking gun in our day. When we come back from the break, we're going to pick that idea up and run with it. We still encourage you who are listening to give us a call. You may be intrigued by what we're saying. We're saying some things you may not often hear, this whole issue of hope and how things are labeled. Give us a call at 888-677-9673. We'll be right back. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment? The Christian development class is geared for all ages? 
or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry, all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. As our parents are aging, do you ever wonder who will take care of them? Do you struggle with providing care for your parents or a loved one as they grow older? Home Instead Senior Care can help. They specialize in taking care of seniors in their own homes. In fact, Home Instead Senior Care is celebrating 10 years of being the trusted source of non-medical home care in the Cleveland area. I have to tell you, folks, this is a wonderful and value-in-home service. Caregivers actually come to your home and provide assistance with light housekeeping, meal preparation, bathing, grocery shopping, incidental transportation, and so much more. At Home Instead Senior Care, the goal is to help seniors remain independent in their homes while providing peace of mind to their family. Caregivers are thoroughly trained, screened, bonded, and insured. Assistance is available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-942-7558 or visit the website at www.homeinstead.com, your go-to company for elder care. We're back here at Transforming Lives, sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute. I'm your host, Joe Propri, and I'm joined by Gus Supan and Glenn Dunn, our good friends who are helping us discuss this very important issue of hope, helping people have hope, helping you, the listener, have hope if things are desperate in your life, and knowing that hope really, the hope that really makes you uh, become encouraged and motivated to hang in there is hope that comes from God because his hope is not a hope so. It's a, it's a calculated and it's a determined and it's a fixed hope. It's, it's, a, it's an assurance, you might say, of things that have not yet happened, but it's a guaranteed kind of thing because it's based upon God, his character, and as Gus said earlier, his promises. Don't forget to give us a call at 888-677-9673. We're live and waiting for your calls if you'd like to call in and talk with us about this important subject. Now, just before the break, Glenn, you brought up the subject of 
of uh, the hope that's there for people who have sin problems that are are uh, habitual, that they're locked into them in some kind of a fashion or form. You mentioned the term drunkards, and then you brought up the topic of homosexuality. It reminded me of a verse in 1 Corinthians 6, where um, we'll lead up to it by starting in verse uh, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And before we get to the hope verse, which is the next one, let's make sure we understand how serious this is, this verse 9 and 10, because the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in other words, God had the Apostle Paul write this. And I would just say, if this, this, is, this is another one of those places, Glenn, where God has no problem making us uncomfortable to help us. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying people who fornicate. Now, our culture right now is filled with fornicators. And for those who may not be familiar with that fancy word, that means people who are living together, giving the appearance of evil, having sexual relations apart from marriage. That is that is so common in our culture today that it's almost ex- expected and accepted as what's normal. But mm-hmm. it's far from normal. And so people who are living in that condition, and they may even call themselves Christians. Some mm-hmm. of them call themselves Christians and go to church. Mm-hmm. That's quite a, a, a contrary thing to think about. They say, I believe in Jesus, and yet I'm having sexual relations on a regular basis with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and we both go to church. Well, this passage says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That's something serious to deal with. It goes on to say, not just fornicators, but idolaters. It covers a great gamut of things. Adulterers, there's a lot of that going on, too. Mm-hmm. The effeminate, we won't even touch that one, but homosexuality, homosexuals, that's a major, major topic today. Not only is it widely accepted as um, an, an alternative lifestyle, but it's it's continually promoted in our culture today as something that should not only be accepted, um, but also be endorsed. They, uh, homosexuals should be allowed to act like they are heterosexuals. In other words, be married, get into a long-term marriage relationships. We're not going to get into the political issues of that, but the idea is that um, God, either God's telling the truth and he's saying these are sin problems because these are choices. Apparently, they have something to say of whether they will do these behaviors or not. Thieves, covetous, drunkards is on here, revilers, swindlers. Um, If these people, uh, and by the way, if you're listening and you're already got your hackles up and you're offended by me, let let me say, I don't think I'm any better than any of the people that are mentioned this. I'm you know, we're all wicked sinners. All mm-hmm. of us are born that way. And we need the Praise. grace of yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our lives, mm-hmm. forgive us and give us the power to overcome the temptations to continue mm-hmm. in these kind of yeah, lifestyles. But for the grace of God, go any one exactly. of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you see, we either have to say that these behaviors that are mentioned here are the results of choices that people can say no to, or 
we're saying that if we're saying what the modern culture is, there's a medical issues or genetic reasons, or these are physical problems or diseases, then we're saying God is the kind of God who will punish eternally people who have sicknesses and diseases. That's their problem. They have a disease and, and, and the, the, compounding having a disease, God will punish you in eternity in hell. That That's not our God. No. That no. would be the most cruel kind of God. This is loving for him to say. Mm-hmm. This And this gives hope. And this that brings me to verse 11, because it goes on to say, and such were some of you. You see what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. Corinthians, he's saying, as he writes them, such were some of you. In other words, some of you in this church at Corinth, some of you were homosexuals, some of you were fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, uh, effeminate, drunkards. That's the kind of people you were. Mm-hmm. And what happened? You were washed. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. And you were sanctified. You were set apart toward holiness. And you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Joe, to some who have never heard this before out there, what does that mean? How do you get justified? How do you get sanctified? How do you get washed? Well, that's a great question, Gus. And it's it's coming coming to the Lord basically on your knees, or at least on your knees in your heart, and saying, rather than defend my behavior and my choices and hide behind my sin, I'm going to admit that I have got it all wrong I have lived for myself. I am a sinner, and I need to repent. I, and, and people need to be, all of us do, and, and we have, and that's why we're enjoying the benefit on the other side of the cross. We've come to the cross. We recognize that Jesus paid for our sins to give us the free gift of eternal life. I heard a, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous testimony the other day on radio. On I think it was on twelve twenty, uh, and it was uh, a, a person telling that. They lived a homosexual lifestyle and came to know Christ, came to be washed, sanctified, and justified, mm-hmm. as we just read in his word, and was able to be delivered from this mm-hmm. and now married and has eight children. Yes. Mm. What a wonderful uh and, and that's what God's promises. That's what the hope there is out. That's the kind of hope that this person had. And, and Gus, you're so right. And you know what? Most of us know because of what we do for a living and, and, and the research that we do is that there are thousands of stories just like that all over the place. People who have been drunkards and now they're not. People who have been homosexual. Now they're not. People who have been revilers, fornicators, uh, adulterers, all sorts of things that are mentioned there and more and now are not. Mm-hmm. This is the power of being converted in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's that's hope. There's exactly. hope for those folks. Yeah. But they had to say, I submit to the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. I submit to the uncomfortability that the gospel places me in, pointing its finger at me and saying, look, you are a sinner. You need to repent. They're, they're that, submitting to the truth of God's word, mm-hmm. to the sufficiency of God's word. And many of them don't know God's word, mm-hmm. aren't uh, in a church that teaches God's word. Right. So they're out there hopeless. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they need to learn. They need to learn about the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which you're going to be talking about, uh, Glenn, next week as you host next week's program. Yes, yes, that that the, that God's Word is sufficient to meet these very, very um, hard and difficult issues. You know, we would speak to one who's struggling with uh, alcoholism or one who's, uh, you know, stuck in pornography or one who's uh, struggling with the homosexual lifestyle and the 
you know, the, the, the greatest thing that we could say to them. We're not trying to offend anyone. We're not trying to hurt anyone. We're not trying to be um, unkind to anyone. What we're trying to do is hold out the opportunity that the scriptures give to us to say, you don't have to live Amen. like that anymore. Yep. And, the, and the Word of God tells us how we can escape from those kinds of sins. We've escaped from uh, those kinds of sins, and mm-hmm. uh, God has been gracious to us, and God is forgiving, and so forth. But if the gospel is good news, I'm going to start preaching, but if the gospel <laughs> is good news, what does that presuppose? That presupposes there has to be bad there news. There was bad news first. And so the bad news is we're all born as sinners. The bad news is that sin dominates us. The bad news is that we will do what sinners do, and that is sin. And certain kinds of sins we come to like very much, and we Mm -hmm. become habitual about them. Right. And the good news is that in Jesus Christ, we can be set free. He cuts through all of that. And we're given hope. I think the most interesting phrase in what you read uh, tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter Mm 6 is that uh, phrase in verse 9, do not be deceived. That's right. I wanted to come back to that. Yeah. Yes. Do not be deceived. And there are people who are listening who may be deceived because they want to hold on to their right to be the way they right. are and have it accepted. And, you know, let me just say this before we go to the break, uh, that um, if you're listening and you're in any of those kind of lifestyles, we're not looking down our nose at you for sure, as Glenn just said. And um, And the whole country may eventually turn around to the place where the way you live, if it fits that category we just read, may be widely accepted and acknowledged in our culture. But you've got to know this. God does not accept it. He will never accept it. When we come back from the break, the break will remind us again about the grace of God who not only condemns the behavior, but loves you and offers to save you from it and transform your life. We'll be right back. desire to become more Christ-like? I want you to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. 
That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. We're back here at Transforming Lives on 1220 AM. I'm your host, Joe Propri, with Gus Supan and Glenn Dunn, my good friends. And uh, we're talking about hope. We're talking about hope for all kinds of problems and all kinds of of behavioral styles that are uh, sin in the sight of God. Glenn, uh, you wanted to read the scripture for us, sir. Well, I just thought to, to sort of cap off perhaps what we were saying before, uh, 1 Timothy 4.10, for to this end we both labor, and this is, I think, an interesting phrase there, suffer reproach, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, sometimes we hear this business that this is uh, elementary thinking, this is, you know, we're not really uh, uh, very bright. If we would say to someone struggling with such a, a devastating uh, sin, you know, you know, God's Word gives you hope in this. And um, even the Scriptures, I think, uh, see that this is going to come. And, and, and uh, Paul says to Timothy, we labor for this, we suffer reproach for this. Why? Because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, mm-hmm. especially those who believe. And so it's, it, it's the culture in which we live, we have to labor and we maybe have to even suffer reproach for telling people that there is hope for those kinds of situations. Hebrews 6.19, this, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, and it is both sure and oh, steadfast. I love that verse. I love that verse. Gus, you had a verse you wanted to throw in here. Yeah, I, I... I'm. I'm. I'm thinking of uh, the why people uh, continue to suffer in these life-dominating problems, in uh, in difficult issues, uh, in things like depression, anxiety, and it's the the especially to the believer. This is said: My people perish for ignorance, mm. for ignorance of mm. the word of God, ignorance of hope. Ignorance of what hope is, or who hope is, best said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, I think that all the people who are trying to counsel individuals in this world today probably mean well and want to help. Absolutely. But, but what a great yeah. disservice to someone to not really know and understand what's going on in people's lives so that all the other labels get added to the person's problem and can make the makes the matter far more confusing. I like it that the word of God is quicker and you know alive and active and more powerful than a two-edged mm-hmm. sword and able yeah. to divide asunder joint marrow soul spirit to the discern of the thoughts and tents of the heart. It gets right down through everything. But there's one thing I don't know if we have enough time I'm going to see uh, what we can do in the next few minutes but uh, and so I I'm thinking We've been talking about sin. We've been talking about calling sin, sin, instead of labeling it with some kind of a pseudo-medical cover label. Um, you know, if something's actually medical, there's nothing wrong with it accurately diagnosing right, that way. Right. That's a physical thing, an organic thing, but there are so many that non-organic problems that are labeled with medical-sounding terms, and it throws everybody away from the source of their hope. There's a cure for sin, as we were saying earlier. But are we saying that every time somebody comes to a biblical counselor and says they have a problem and it's not physical, that we're sin hunters? Are we hunting for sin? Are we 
just going to call them sinners? Is sin at the root cause of all the problems that people have? I think there's a fundamental thing that any biblical counselor is obligated to do, and that's when someone comes to him and and, and is the, bringing these issues to the forefront. He needs to be directed to a qualified doctor, medical profession, and have that person examined mm-hmm. and then uh, to make sure that uh, mm-hmm. that there is nothing right. organically wrong, we right. want to rule out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Physical. We don't issues. want. We don't play doctor. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, that's not our intent. Right. Exactly. Right. So let's say it's all ruled out. The doctors say there's nothing physically, organically wrong with you. Uh, are we saying that the problem is sin? Mm-hmm. That the reason why you are anxious, the reason why you're depressed, the reason why you are a drunkard is you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Is, can we say that as simplistically as that in these last two or three minutes of the program? Does the Bible say that? <laughs> Man's, man is, is desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. Yeah, we're self-deceived. Yeah, how, how do we? We're, we're wicked. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I guess we don't mind saying that, do we? Because we well, love. Because God says that. I don't mind saying what God said. Exactly. Yeah, I think one of the things that we are not used to doing, and now I would speak to the person who's a Christian, um, and, and God has been gracious to me, saved me when I was young, but one of the things that I don't think we're used to doing as Christians is to pray the psalmist prayer in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, and again, I come back to this matter of being deceived. I've said this to our own church family. I am much thinner in my mind than I am in my mirror. <laughs> Aren't we all? You know, J- James chapter 1 it tells us that we walk away and we forget what we look like immediately yeah. in the mirror of the Word, yeah. and we can deceive ourselves. And so something that the Bible tells us is that we have to be actively engaged in asking the Spirit of God to show us areas of our life where sin exists. And we're not used to doing that even as Christians. No. And and unfortunately, we're the ones that suffer uh, the consequences of that. And uh, you know, this is one reason why I think it's so exciting that we have the opportunity to, you know, of the Lord to to be involved in such a ministry as this, just to tr- try to tr- uh, promote in the best way that we can uh, the the Bible's sufficiency and the hope that we have as believers in the Scriptures. Amen. I th- I think that we're having uh, we have a difficult time accepting the label sin, even after we're Christians. We That's just right. we're yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. With it, it's insulting. It's insulting, and so even after we're Christians, we think, "Well, thank God we've taken care of that," and now <laughs> we don't want to admit any other future sin. Right. But I, th- I think not only us, but the world too, has no concept of just how deep and wide sin actually is. And mm. if we had more time, I'd talk, talk some more about that. Maybe in a future program, we'll pick up this subject. That would be a good idea. That would be mm-hmm. a good Again, topic for us. To... S- sin has devastated the human race in every area, right? And we, we need to pursue that because when that's understood hope will come from that as well thank god for the hope of jesus christ for that well listen listeners we hope you've enjoyed our program next week pastor glenn dunn will be leading us as we discuss the sufficiency of scripture make sure you tune in 7 to 8 12 20 a.m right here on this station god bless you and don't forget to tune in to www.bci-ohio.com our website to learn more about biblical counseling and the training we can provide for you god bless you and good night
You have been listening to Transforming Lives, brought to you by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. We invite you to visit our website at bci-ohio.com. That's bci-ohio.com. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, Garrettsville, Ohio, 44231. Your prayers and financial gifts for this ministry would be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. This program has been sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. Forget the TV, boot up your PC, watch Jack Graham whenever you want at Lightsource.com. Video of PowerPoint on demand, Lightsource.com. If you had the option of choosing who your boss would be, whom would you select? If you answered you, the following phone number may hold your key to financial freedom. Call 800-895-6545 and discover how you can effectively take back your life with the 10-second walk. Thousands of people just like you are enjoying their newly found freedom.